Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Did you know a lot of the people followed Jesus only because of the free handouts? They could get something for free. It wasn't because of him. It was what they could get from him. There's people like that today. They don't need God. They don't want God until they're in trouble. And then they want to take and pray some magical prayer. And God's supposed to, la, la, here I am. And then do it. You can't use God like that. It won't work. God wants to use you, not you use him. There's a difference. Yeah, God wants to use you for his purpose, his honor, his glory. Not you using God for whatever you want. Like he's my little, my sugar daddy. He's my little um, miracle working guy that I keep in my back pocket. And I only call upon him once in a while when I really want him. And you think, okay, now you made a bunch of bad decisions. You got yourself in a lot of problems. And then you're just going to quote some nice little prayer. Well, God doesn't love me. God didn't answer my prayer. You think he's just some millionaire uncle that's supposed to, you call him, he's supposed to give you whatever you need. Won't work. Sorry. But he worked a miracle. And many of because they saw the miracle, they followed him. But is he the bread of life? He is the bread of life. You see, he is more important to me than my necessary food. And I like food. I love food. But the Lord is to be more important to us than bread to keep us alive. And then in this whole rest of this chapter, talks about how that, he says, your fathers were in the wilderness, and they had manna from heaven. He says, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. That's why in the Old Testament, yes, they had the manna come. See, it was a type. It was a, them to understand that the, the bread that caused us to live forever is the bread that came down from heaven. And it was the manna in the Old Testament. But when Jesus literally came, he was the bread from heaven. See there in verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life, eternal life, to the world. And that's why he says in verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. See, that's why when you go into that temple, that's the bread, and there's the water. And he's all of these things. Because it's a picture of Jesus Christ. They had a vivid picture of the Lord in the Old Testament so that they would understand these things. Because, you see, the Bible says he had not yet been manifested. He hadn't revealed himself yet. Hold your place right here. Look there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 9. Hebrews in chapter 9. I want you to see a verse there with me. 
and just take a quick look at this. Look in verse 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly or earthly sanctuary. And there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. That's in the holy place. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, the holy of holies, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenants. See, I didn't make that up. I was, I was getting it from the book. See, the Bible says this. Look what else he said. And over it the cherubim of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly in detail. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs or the sins of the people. The Holy Ghost this signifying, and you ought to underline this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Christ hadn't come yet and made the way and explained it all. Everything hinges upon Jesus Christ. Now he has been manifested. And the Bible tells in the book of Timothy in chapter 3, and I believe verse 16, where it says concerning the order of the church, how that God was manifested in the flesh been done. And he has gone into the temple. It's been done. The veil has been rent. He has entered into heaven and offered his blood upon the altar in heaven. Because the one upon the earth was made after the pattern of the one that Moses saw in heaven. You say, is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Look in verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So he is our high priest. And he has done these things. It had been manifested, revealed, so we can see and understand how you and I now have the right to enter boldly to the throne of grace because of what he did. He made a way. He made a way. There was no way before. There's no way for you or me to enter into the presence of God. We had no standing. We had no right, no authority. We're not on the same level. The only way you can face God is, without dying, is to be just with God. No fault, no sin. Christ was the only one that had that right, that authority. So that's why all this is so interesting. Now, I want you to look there in John chapter 6, where he made the statement in verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. He'll never cast you out. Now, there was a problem that if they came into the holy place and it wasn't right, they'd have to tie a, a rope around the high priest because nobody was going in there to get him, and they would drag him out. But you and I can enter into the presence of God because the Lord 
hath made a way. He is the way. That when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's telling the truth. That's why he did it. That's why he came. But now, in verse 44, I want you to see this. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So everybody thinks, well, okay, now this means that nobody can go to the Lord unless God draws us. And so they believe in predestination and a false idea of predestination. But Christ says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. And that's why he says, preach the gospel to all men. Because through that message, he wants every man to know that God has paid for his sins. And that all men, the good news is, they can be saved and have eternal life. So the drawing is there. And that's what we do when we present the gospel. But some people respond, some people do not. It is a choice of what people will or will not do. Now, he says, does what I'm saying, does it offend you? And everybody seems to get a little offended. But look in verse 63 of the same chapter. It is the spirit that quickeneth or makes alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's why he said, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And so he says in verse 64, but there are some of you that, and you ought to underline it, that believe not. Some you do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. He already knows. He's God. And he says in verse 65, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my Father. In other words, so how does he draw? He draws with the gospel. And those that believe, go. And those that do not believe, don't go. And that's why he made the statement. From that time, many of his disciples went back. Because they only followed him for the, the one reason. Because they liked what they were getting. And so... He says, will you also go away? And look in verse 68. Simon Peter answered and said unto him, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, we believe it. Some did believe it and some did not believe it. Now take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Remember as you go through the tabernacle there's also what is called the lampstand. The lampstand was made of pure gold. And it had one single place for the light and three on the sides. And the Bible talks about they put oil in them. And this is where they, because of the, the Maccabees, uh, Matthew Maccabee, uh, because the people were so cruel to the Jewish people, this is between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there had been such persecution. And Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a, a pig upon the altar. And so they cleansed the temple. They got together and they had a little war. And they defeated the enemy. But whenever they wanted to rededicate the temple, which took eight days, they didn't have enough oil. Because they didn't have enough oil. They only had it for one day. But the oil miraculously kept burning for those eight days. And even to this day, the Jewish people talk about the festival of lights, or they call it Hanukkah, which is the last three weeks there of uh, the month of December. 
And so that's what they're doing. That's called the dedication of the rededication. And so it's a festival time for them. But it's talking about this lampstand. Christ says, I am the light of the world. See there in verse 12? In verse 12, where he says, He spake unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See, everything in the temple was a picture of Jesus Christ. It's it's the type of him. He is the fulfillment of it. You take Christ away, and that's such a meaningless thing that they were doing and what they were going through. Unless there's a, a purpose behind all of it. And many times people don't see what's behind it. What's the real reasons? But he says, I am the light of the world. And to be a light of the world, he said, he'd have to die. Look here in chapter 12 real quick. Chapter 12. He says in verse 23, And Jesus answered them and said, The hour is come. On many occasions they tried to kill him, and he kept saying, My hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. But now the hour is come. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Talking about himself. Talking about the death that he's going to die. And he says, In verse 27, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this world, unto this hour. So this was the cause of why he came. He came into the world to die for the sins of the whole world. And not to pay for the sins that you did this year, and then you got to do it again the next year, and then the next year. That's all a type of works for salvation which can never pay for sin. And so Christ was going to make a payment for sin which would last forever and only have to do it one time. And my water will wash you clean forever. And you'll never thirst again. And my bread, when you eat that bread, which is a type of me, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. He that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Never has to be done again. He's a different kind of a high priest, not after the order of Aaron. Of the tribe of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. And so he says down here, and I want you to see this, where he makes a statement in verse 32. He says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. So he told him before he died, he knew it. And he says in verse 34, The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. So they knew from the Old Testament that when Christ came, he would live forever. So that's why they couldn't understand, how was he going to die if he's going to live forever? They knew from the Old Testament scriptures. When you study about what God said about to David and his son, which later on we put a lot of those verses to Solomon, but there was another son that's been referenced to, and he's a son that will live forever, and he'll rule forever. Take your Bible and look very quickly to Psalm 72. I want you to see this. The 72nd Psalm. Psalm 72. Psalm 72. And look what he says here in verse 17. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. This is talking about the Lord. When he comes, he will endure forever. Uh, Look in Psalms 89, and look up there in uh, uh, verse 29, verse 29, where it says in verse 29, 
his seed, which is a reference to the Lord, the Messiah, Christ himself. Also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven, forever. Uh, look down there in uh, verse 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the things that is gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed, from David, his seed shall endure forever. So they knew that the Messiah was supposed to live forever. Well, how's he going to live forever if he's going to die? And Jesus says, believe in the light while you have the light. You see, sometimes we think we have to understand it in order to believe it. And it's kind of like the Lord says, I want you to believe it so that you can understand it. Did you know if you'll believe that this book is true and it is the word of God, then you'll begin to understand it. But if you think you've got to understand it all before you can believe it, it's backwards and it won't work. This is not a normal book about a normal man. This is totally superior. There's nothing like this book. This is truly the Word of God. Look here in verse 36. While ye have light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. So Christ is the light, and he says that once we have believed on Christ and we have eternal life, he says, ye are the lights in the world. Look down in verse 46. I am come a light. Into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. In verse 48, he that rejects me, and he receiveth not my words, hath one that will judge him. So can you reject it? Yes, you can. Can you accept it? Yes, you can. But that's your choice. So you believe what he says in order that you might understand. You don't try to figure it all out in order that you might believe what he says. Now, God has made the gospel simple and clear. But you will never understand everything about it. And that's why I usually tell people, sometimes with questions and even with doubts, you don't understand it all. But you can understand enough. You're a sinner. God loves you. He died on the cross and paid for your sins. If you believe it, you can have eternal life. I don't understand how you're going to do it, but I'm going to believe him. And because you believe it, and as you begin to read and study, you'll understand more and more and more. But if you wait till you try to understand everything in the Bible before you can believe it, it's not going to work. Because he says the things of God are spiritually discerned. It means a lost man can't understand all of this stuff. Most Christians don't even get all of it, even after you've been studying it for a a number of years. Do you know what's really neat? As you go through here, and then all of a sudden you find, well, there was the, the altar of incense. It's where they would take and, and put different kind of spices and so forth, and the kind of a sweet smell, because, see, in this, in this room, in that room, it, it was totally dark. There was no light. If it hadn't been for the, 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 the lampstand, there was no light in the room. When they went into the other one, the only light they had there was the Shekinah glory. That was probably bright enough. But here, there's, there's, there's no light, and that's why they had to take and keep changing, putting the oil in and trimming the, the lamp and so forth. But it talks about the altar of incense. Did you know in the book of Revelation, in chapter 8, it talks about a scene that takes place in heaven? 
And it talks about the prayers of the saints that are offered unto God. And so you and I need to understand, there's somebody who intercedes for us. And that's why, look in chapter 17. Chapter 17, you have the intercessory prayer of Jesus Christ, where he prays to the Father. Intercessory prayer. The altar of incense, where that becomes the sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. Now, you're not, we'll never understand all this stuff. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be like God's going to like all this come to life. And we're going to see so much more. But we didn't understand it because of our, our old flesh birth that we have that blinds us sometimes. That's why it's so difficult for us to trust the Lord fully in everything in life. Because we, we have this old sinful nature and just won't let us alone. That's why our love is not as pure as it ought to be. Our understanding is not as pure as it ought to be. Our forgiveness is not as pure as it ought to be. Nothing is the way it ought to be because we're battling with this old flesh that we got. But here in Gospel of John, and look in chapter 17, where it says, These words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he hath sent. So Jesus is now talking to the Father and says, Glorify thou me with the glory that I had with thee before the world was. That's the next verse. Look in verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world began. Jesus didn't start that day that he was born into this world. He already existed. I have manifested thy name. He's done all these things. And here's talking to the Father. Why? Because Jesus is now entering to the presence of God. See, none of us was ever qualified. None of us could ever do this. But see, he was a perfect individual who never sinned. He's the only one that had the right to enter into the presence of his Holy Father. And he intercedes for us. He made a way for us. Now, in the Gospel of John, when it says, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And many believed when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. It means I go to prepare a way for you. A way for you to get into the presence of God. I, I got a place with all these mansions. He says that where I am, there you may be also. Now twice he had made that statement to those that would not believe. He says, and, and where I go, you cannot come. But he told Thomas, he said, that where I am, there you may be also. That where I am, you may be. But the other one, he said, you can't come. You can't come. So are there going to be people that will be with him? Yes. Are there going to be those that will not be with him? Yes. And that's a shame. Because he made a payment for the sins of the whole world. And that's why I'm always trying to get individuals to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. The best news in all the world. L let me just show you a couple of these verses before we close here. You see there in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, in verse 20, but for them also which shall believe on him through their word. You see, this is why I believe it's so important for us who know the word, know that we're going to heaven, because we want others to believe and hear through us. So that's why we persuade and we witness and we preach the gospel and do whatever we can do. 
Because there's a lot of people that's never heard how to have eternal life. They just don't know. And yet the word of God says that. Look in verse 24. He says, Father, I will be that, that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. This is an awesome intercessory prayer. You see, he, he made a way. And whenever he says, I'm going to leave you now, and I'm going to go. And, and he said, well, wait, 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 wait. We, don't, we, don't, we don't know how to get there. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you reject Christ, you cannot have eternal life. You will not go to heaven. You cannot be saved except through Christ and Him alone is your only hope of ever going to heaven. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. Everybody knows, everybody does things wrong. But God loves us, He hates our sin. And because of sin, we can't enter into the presence of God. We have no standing, no right. We're not justified. We would die in His presence. And so the Bible says, because of sin, we're all condemned. But that He loves us. Wants us to go to heaven. To be with Him for all eternity. But there has to be a way. And by your works is not the way. Going to church to try to earn eternal life or giving money to try to get eternal is not the way to do it. It will not work. He says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into this world. He tabernacled among us. And he lived a perfect life and had no sin, didn't have to die. But because of his love for us, he took our sins. It separates us from him. He took our sin, paid for it on the cross. He died for our sins. And all that you and I have to do is believe he did it for us. He puts that payment to our account. We go to heaven because he died for me. I don't have to pay for my sin. He paid for my sin. But God says the payment's not put to your account unless you believe it. This is a decision you have to make. You can accept it. You can reject it. He prayed for those that would believe it. He says that where I am, there you may be also. But if you don't accept it, you will not be there. I hope you understand this. It makes sense to you. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? You're not going to understand it all. You believe that you might understand. You can understand this much. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a God. You have sinned against Him. You will die. Will you trust Christ as your Savior? Will you trust Him, depend upon Him, to take you to heaven whenever you die? I'm not talking about you trusting some normal man. This is the God-man. With head bowed, eyes closed, or anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me. And preacher, this morning, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down and say, yes, I will trust the Lord this morning as my only hope of going to heaven. If you've never done it, would you do it right now? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. Not do anything to you. Anyone at all. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, understand that God's will is for you to realize that you now have the right to enter 
into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. Christ Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would take my place. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.